Swim Swam podcast coming to you today with the head coach of George Washington, fresh off their Atlantic 10 championship. That's their second championship in the last three years. And the A-10 coach of the year here for 2021, Brian Thomas, joins us from Washington, D.C., I'm assuming, coach? Yes, sir. In my office. set four conference records I think and seven program records in a year that nobody was supposed to go fast because there was this pandemic thing going on I mean what went so well for you guys yeah I think um, first and foremost all the credit kind of goes to our guys Um, you know they had essentially made a decision early on in August that they wanted to do this thing the right way and just um, kind of went with with everything as it came at them this year and, and were able to put together probably a really solid, no, it doesn't sound like much, but a solid six weeks of training right before we got to the A-10 meet, which kind of saved our season to a certain degree. We had had a lot of ups and downs and starts and stops up to that point, um, but they were very committed to what we were doing and, and making it work uh, with all those challenges. So that was really probably the biggest difference maker. Um, I will say it should have been five conference records. We had a relay DQ'd early in the meet on a, a call I'd really never seen before, but um, maybe a little freshman mistake there cost us. However, uh, it was it was a ton of fun being able to, to wrap things up that way after a pretty challenging year. Well, let's start there because that's my favorite learning opportunity is the hardships. How did you turn around that? It was the medley relay the very first night, right? How do you turn yeah. that around and still like rally for such an amazing weekend? That's an easy out if anybody was looking for for doubts in their meet after this crazy year how do you turn that around yeah i think first and foremost um one benefit we have in swimming is when we get a call like that we have kind of like a couple minutes to think about our response to it whereas like you know basketball football whatever it's kind of like an immediate thing uh we didn't realize it had happened right away and then slowly the official walks over and you kind of have a moment to collect your thoughts so that probably helps us um i grabbed the athlete and basically said hey you know, it happened. Our response will say a lot to our team. So like, let's do it the right way, starting right now and and move past it. I think the, you know, the positive was that we had won that relay by two seconds. So we knew we were swimming well. Um, And then we went on and won the 800 freestyle relay by seven seconds. And, um, you know, even though we were in last place after Wednesday night, we felt pretty good about what we were doing um, just individually and then collectively as a team. So it was um, easy for them to move on from that what do you do in six weeks that can lead to such great results? What did you learn? What did you do? I don't, I don't think it was just those six weeks. Um, You know, like I said, we, we were back in August and and we had just an interesting fall in terms of, you know, being able to get going. We had a great first two months or so. um, And then we had a couple positive tests and we had a lot of contact tracing and we had a lot of interruptions. We had a five day shutdown for the inauguration. Um, So that was unique. Um, but then it just seemed like we kind of got into a little bit of a groove and finally um, ha- had a good window of time between our last dual meet 
and the A10 meet. And we kind of did that intentionally. We knew it was longer than normal that we would have between competition, but we just wanted to lock it down and like eliminate any possibility of getting a positive or whatever it might be. Um, and it allowed us to have a ton of consistency through those six weeks. And it was just our best shot at training. And like, I think, you know, any coach will tell you if you can be doing your best training at that point in time, right before you rest, you're going to feel pretty good about yourself. So I think we had a little bit of that going. Yeah. You, you talked about a, a freshman and you had a freshman. I want to make sure I say it's Carl, right? Yeah, uh, Carol. Yep. Carol Menarzik. Is that Menarzik? Menarzik. Thanks. Sorry. I, I want to make sure I get that right. Carol Menarzik. And I will get it right. But what a uh, debut conference meet for him and uh, somebody who's coming to the program for the first time. Obviously, some things are clicking. So I'm going to keep digging. I want to know about those six weeks. What is it about the work? It, it might be typical work that you guys normally do, but what is clicking so well to have somebody adapt? Because sometimes coming their freshman year, yards is very intimidating and those walls come quick and they're not used to it and it takes a year or so to get used to the weights and the intensity or whatever it is something's clicking for carol what what went so well for him then and, and if you could get more specific in training i know that's what the listeners and i would love to hear sure yeah i think first and foremost uh we knew coming in that he was sort of geared towards short course swimming his, his results short course meters are, are really good and probably like a step ahead of where he is long course um so we figured he'd be pretty good um he probably made some of the typical freshman mistakes that you see like it was a, a an adjustment for him coming here um but his work ethic is really really good um he already had a pretty good background in strength and conditioning so he knew what he was doing in the weight room and and we supplemented well there um you know i, I think again from a, a training standpoint we tend to be fairly individualized with our approach and, and trying to set things up so that instead of sticking to rigid groups where some of the work is specific to them and some of it isn't, there tends to be a little bit of a shift. So someone like Carol would go, you know, a main workout, a backstroke on, on Monday afternoons, which was focused mostly on the 200. Um, he'd come back and, and focus on the 50 freestyle with, with Logan, our sprint coach on Tuesday afternoons. Uh, you know, Wednesdays, we typically tried to split the men and women, keep them together and do some element of race endurance work. Um, you know, Thursday was a little bit of a, I hate to call it recovery, but an aerobic recovery, a little bit of power work in the morning, that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, so he'd do that workout with, with Logan Friday, he'd come back with me and, and would work hundred backstroke. And we tend to, to try to make sure that every session is like pretty specific to what he's trying to accomplish. And, and I think that's where it starts. Um, but he, He's a really good trainer. You know, there are plenty of days where we kind of look at ourselves as a staff on the pool deck and say, okay, we really haven't seen that before in a workout. So <laughs> this is probably going to end up being pretty good. Um, but he had to make some adjustments. You know, when, when he first started feeling out the hunter backstroke short course, it was almost like he was trying to swim at like a, a hundred long course backstroke in terms of underwater tempo, in terms of his tempo on the surface. And then it finally clicked for him at the A10 meet. I mean, we had a lot of back and forth about it. He's a great kid in that he wants to know everything. And, and the why behind it, you know, so he's great at communicating um, and just his personality in general has probably pulled a lot out of our team. Uh, he, he loves the team aspect of things here. Um, but anyway, I mean, I, I think he, he was finally able to make some of those improvements. You know, we saw him go out in 22.5 when he went 46.0 and it was like, finally, you know, we, we, we can see something there and, um, you know, kicking out to 15 and all that sort of stuff. So kind of put it together. Awesome stuff. Cool. Um, when you talk about the team atmosphere, you gave us a great layout. That was very, I appreciate how the weekly kind of cycle works and how you mix in with the women's program as well. 
Um, what's going on with the women's program? And I know that there were good results and there's been a lot of, you know, steps up in the, in the A-10 in the last few years with the women's program. Um, checking in on that side of things, I know you had a great distance uh, swim to end the meet and there's a lot of other good positive things. Tell us some things that are going on with the women's program and, and uh, how you kind of fit in a combined program balancing men and women. And when one team is the three out of four year, you know, conference champion and the other isn't, how does that kind of weigh on the team culture? Yeah, I think um, that was something when I started here and I was fortunate to, to take over a program that was already being elevated. And, and uh, James Winchester was my predecessor here. And uh, he put a lot of things in place that that helped with that. Um, you know, we were able to kind of continue that. We won a conference championship with the women last year. Uh, what we found is, you know, we've had a, a number of opt-outs this year that probably hurt us from a point scoring standpoint. And we kind of knew, I think, going into the meet that that was going to be the case. So we just tried to make the best of it and even started talking a lot about, 21, 22, and, and how we can use some positive momentum through this year and everything we've been through to bring in, you know, 11 new athletes and, and really kind of, I guess, turn the corner a little bit and do some of the things the guys have been doing in terms of consistency. You know, one thing in swimming that we don't probably recognize enough is that they're completely different conferences on the men's side and the women's side, you know, so it's a little bit different in, in, in every realm, uh, trying to accomplish what, what the other team might be accomplishing. We really do basically everything together. We are a true combined program and even swimming and diving. Um, you know, our diving coach runs our dry land program and we do everything absolutely together. So I don't think there's any kind of schism or any, any sort of issue within our culture that you know the guys were able to have the success because I think the women believe they're right there and and we do have a very talented class coming in you know all 11 uh, you know score at the a10 meet as as juniors in high school and and you know we're looking forward to, to bringing them in um, at the same time as you know you know <laughs> turning over that many athletes can do anything to your culture so we're pretty protective of that how, how do you protect the culture with your recruiting what kind of athletes are you looking to bring in? Um, to add to that team atmosphere that it sounds like is moving in the right direction and, and has been for a while now. Yeah. You know, one thing I was against when it started was, you know, recruiting earlier and earlier. Uh, it, it, maybe part of that, was just the comfort zone, but I've really grown to love it. it it's given us a ton of time to, to, to talk through those things. And by the time our athletes commit, they're like well aware that we place a huge priority on the environment and the culture within the team. It's like the first thing we mentioned on the first phone call um, and really every step of the way we talk through those things and making sure that it's a priority for them as well. You know, I think any junior sophomore in high school is looking for that. You know, they, they want a, a team that they're really closely connected with, you know, coaches who are, are easy to communicate with and, and like to have a lot of fun on the pool deck. So it's not like a tough sell necessarily, but I do think it gets the point across when we're able to repeat these things over and over again through the recruiting process. And again, with a little more time to do it, just getting to know them a little more as athletes, being able to talk to coaches a little more, that kind of thing. Yeah. Are there any obstacles to recruiting? Obviously Washington DC is a, very appealing area for a lot of reasons and also, you know, very crowded area and a lot of other things. Are there any obstacles that are, you know, keeping you from getting some of the kids that you feel like, or maybe misconceptions out there about the program or the location that could be cleared up here? 
Sure. Yeah. I think there might be a lot of unknowns. Um, we think that our, our biggest selling point in the recruiting process is probably our location. You know, there's a, a ton of positive that comes with that opportunity to start your career you know, beyond swimming and, and maybe have a, a leg up on others in, in doing so. Uh, the location within the city is really unique. We're about a five minute walk from Washington Harbor, which is like halfway between Georgetown and GW. So it feels like a college town. You almost forget you're you know, in, the, in the heart of D.C., um, we also have a pretty traditional campus. It's not a typical city school. Everything is within four blocks. It's um, you know a lot of open space, green grass, tall trees. So I think our students at least like that they have kind of the best of both worlds. You know, they can get off campus and do some things, but they also get a little bit of the traditional experience too. So um, you know, some of the challenges I think are, are probably the academics. You know, it's a very good school academically. We're ranked toward the top fifty. Um, so kind of working our way through that and, and making sure the focus stays, you know, both on swimming and on academics and and also making sure we don't have to sacrifice anywhere. When it comes to that, we run four workout blocks a day, A, to make sure that we can individualize things, but also to make sure it's working around academic programs and things like that. So, um, you know, what I've learned at, at, a, you know, at several universities, working at four universities, is that everywhere has its, its challenges and everywhere has its, its pros. And, and certainly we have a little bit of both, but it is really unique. That's one thing that I always think about the, in, in the recruiting process. We're basically trying to take them from knowing nothing about GW to a point where they can't like see themselves anywhere else. So we have to really get it out there and, and let them know what they're getting into. But once we are able to open their eyes to everything that the school has to offer, it becomes a bit of an easy sell. Yeah. It's great stuff, Brian. I really appreciate the chance to kind of get a peek into the coaching side. And, and I think students get a good feel for, you know, what you bring to the table and what the program has to offer. Uh, I also want to make sure I'm, uh, asking some coaching questions. So I saw some, some fun side things, uh, that I kind of want to ask. I saw you have a son named Boomer. I do. Yes. Yeah. We actually have two kids, um, Boomer and then Chip is two months old. How old's Boomer? Just turned three. Just turned three. So yeah. you, was he named after Michael Phelps's Boomer? That's like the first question I always get in the swimming world. Most, most right. people have no clue, but, um, no, no, he wasn't actually, um, you know, his, his real name is Benjamin. Um, we were actually watching the NFL today on CBS. My, my wife and I are sports nuts. So we're just sitting on the couch and, and I was like, you know, what do you think about Boomer as a nickname? Boomer Esiason is, sure. is, is on that show. You know, he's a, a famous quarterback. Young people listening to this podcast probably have no idea who he is, but um, we just kind of like the name. We also like what Boomer's done for um, cystic fibrosis research and, and what he's done as a philanthropist beyond his, his athletics. So we, we kind of liked both of those things. Um, my wife's uh, extended family is from Kentucky, so there are big Bengals fans anyway. So it, it worked in a number of ways, but um, it was pretty cool. When I got to GW, we had a, an employee here um, actually buy a Boomer Esiason game jersey from the University of Maryland, signed and gave it to us in a frame, which was really cool, kind of as a welcoming gift. So, um, yeah, I get that question a lot. I know. Sorry. It's just a very unique name. And I definitely remember Boomer Esiason. I actually went to broadcast school with future weatherman named Boomer, but it's a unique name. And so yeah, I had yeah. to as the, uh, you know, the swimming connection ask. So you got a two month old at home now, too? Yeah, yeah. We had timed that one pretty well until everything shifted, you know, pre and post COVID and all that sort of stuff. Um, so that was a little wild. I actually have been telling a lot of people, I think the 
the most relaxing day I had this season was the day that Chip was born um, because I knew I couldn't do anything else. Like I, I, we had to meet the next day, you know, Katie and Logan handled the lineup, the itineraries, all, all the travel. And, and I just focused on what, what I was doing there. So it made it kind of easy to a certain degree, as weird as that might sound, but um, life-changing having kids when it comes to coaching and everything it means um, it, it will absolutely make you a better coach and, and uh, has been, absolutely the light of my life. Um, and, and I don't know if you feel the same way, Garrett, but, um, kind of changes perspective for sure. I do. I do. And I think even within it, like you just kind of gave an example of the fact that the second one, you can appreciate a lot more after having a little experience knowing they're not as easy to break as you think. So the fact that you could relax on the birthday of the second one, something that wouldn't have happened with the first, and as you continue through what I like to call the zombie phase right now, my friend, uh, just remember that you always want dibs on chip. Whenever you're going man to man, you always claim chip because that one in the second phase, newborns are the best. You're like, man, this phase is so wasted on new parents with the first kid, right? For sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, he's a piece of cake at the moment, but Boomer lives up to his name. He is a wild man uh, and there's there's no getting around that, but you know, one thing uh, Danielle and I have kind of as a vision for our own lives is to have a, a family that's really closely connected with our team. And, and we want you know, our athletes kind of feeling that coming down to our house, hanging out with our kids. Our kids are always on the pool deck, you know, running around and all that sort of stuff. So it's a ton of fun. Yeah, it makes for a good, comfortable family uh, environment. And when there's kids on the deck, it's pretty tough to feel, you know, unsafe and those type of things. I for That's sure. pretty cool atmosphere. Um, how, do you have a little downtime now? How do you balance? Because I'll be honest, it sounds like you, you're, you got three babies, maybe four with, you know, two different men's and women's programs and two kids at home. When you're talking about how you guys grind and want to make sure that you got four blocks a day, plus you're talking about the recruiting cell, plus all that stuff. I know balance is impossible. And so I'm not asking if you're balancing, but how do you make sure you're, you're being the most for both? Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's funny. Again, I, I think about how being a parent maybe makes you better. I'm just far more organized with my time now. Like every day is written out to the half hour to where it's like, I got this call, we got this workout, I need this block to plan, I need this block for boomer for bath, you know, and, and you, you make sure you're available that way. Of course, as you probably know, you put these plans together, and then they get blown up every day. But uh, at least it gives you some sort of organization. You know, right now, um, we do have a couple athletes that'll be out at Indy for the pro series. Um, you know, one of which is trying to make his Olympic team for Latvia. Uh, so he's, uh, you know, resting up now a second time, basically to try to do that. Um, Carol actually just finished up the, his Polish national championship, uh, last week. So, um, we have some of this and that going on over the summertime. We'll have a group of about 20 to 25 that'll be here throughout the summer, which is obviously something we've emphasized is, is trying to kind of build upon that. And again, one great thing about being in DC is they, you know, oftentimes get into internships or, you know, shadowing at the hospital if they're in the medical field, things like that, that are all within, you know, five minutes of campus. So they can kind of do both and, and, uh, you know, maximize their, their four years here. Good stuff, Brian. Hey, I really appreciate it. I feel like I got a lot of information, got to know you, got to know the program and, uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time today. Best of luck here this summer and, uh, going into that 2021, 2022 season. Likewise, Garrett It's a pleasure, man. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below 
and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.